All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. As we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Good morning, Spec. How's it going, Kev? What's happening, man? Oh, just had a wonderful weekend. Uh, went to the game as a fan last night. Was seven rows up uh, on the press box side. So right in front of Nickelback. Enjoyed that little set there in the second intermission. Enjoyed the game thoroughly. Enjoyed the atmosphere. Um, I was kind of saying off the top spec that, you know, okay, the sight lines to watch the hockey game, you know, we all know what they are. I mean, you're far away. Where we were sitting, you could probably, you couldn't see the puck because of the angle. Uh, it is what it is. So you have to kind of, you use your other senses, right? So, I mean, the sound to me was just, you know, something I'll never forget as far as the skates on the ice and, you know, the the puck bouncing off the boards or whatever and the echo, you know, and it just reminded me of being out at uh, Crooked Lake in Saskatchewan when you'd clear off the lake in front of the cabin and go for a little skate and you can hear things in the valley, the the echo and things like that. So I had a wonderful time. Yeah, no, that's it. And I think the league has that figured out. They mic that rink up pretty good. So the, exactly what you say. Listen, everybody knows before you buy your ticket that the you know the sight lines in a 60,000-person stadium when a hockey puck is, I should know this, what's a hockey puck about six inches across? <laughs> Not even <laughs> no, four inches Three and across. a half, yeah. Three and a half, yeah. Whatever. You're, it's going to be hard to see the thing. That's what I'm trying to get yeah. to. So they know that. You know that. I know that. You go there for all the different reasons. You go there to enjoy all the things you just talked about. You go there for the fellowship. Like, you know, there's probably six, 7,000 Flames fans in there yesterday, and everyone looked like they're having a great time and ribbing each other. And mm-hmm. and you go there because you want to say you were there. There's only one of these things every 20 years, man. And, uh, you know, the first one was fun, and this one was unique in its own way. It wasn't the same as the first Heritage Classic, uh, and it probably was a little less painful. It was a little shorter and a lot warmer, so (laughs) a good time had by all. I I honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the night. With 55,411 there, I think everyone really uh, enjoyed the night. Uh, You know, a week ago, Speck, you and I were saying, well, we don't think Connor McDavid is going to play. Uh, that's yeah. just the feeling that we got, but you know it was a big boost to the team to see him back out there. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like he makes, you know, he makes everybody three feet taller, right? Yeah. Listen, everybody knows anyone out there listening who's played sports. When you got the best player on the ice, or the best in the Oilers' case, you know, ninety percent of their games or more, they got the best two players on the ice. Maybe every game. Uh, it makes a difference. And when you don't have them, it leaves a dent. There's that a subconscious feeling in everyone's mind, hmm, we don't have Connor, so we're not as good as we were before. And you can't avoid that. That's just the way it is. And you know what? He had he had one secondary assist yesterday. This isn't me complaining about Carter McDavid's production. Don't take this the wrong way. But my point is, he didn't light the score sheet up. The order still scored five and were the better team on the ice. So, 
you know, he was having Carter back in your lineup was a boost that oh boy did this team ever need it. It did. Uh, Twenty three minutes uh, uh, and change. He played too, so he he, he was out there a lot. Uh, yeah. Text text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty, and I'll kind of tune this one in to you, Spec, to kind of take this uh, where we're going to go next. So this comes from. Uh, Josh and St. Albert, uh, hey guys, with the big win last night for the Oilers, is this the turning point for the regular season? So, what is your response to that texter's uh, question, Speck? Well, this is the challenge for the Edmonton Oilers. They need to make this the turning point. This can be a very tidy, you know, a tidy way to launch your season, man. This could, we could look back on this game, you know, in. March and April and say, oh boy, you know, did that ever get him going? But you got to take care of that. You got to make that happen. This, there's a game on Thursday with Dallas coming in. They got a couple days off, you know, trying to make momentum stretch across an off day and two practice days uh, isn't the easiest thing. So they just have to play with the intensity they played with. They got to take care of this thing and make it exactly what that texter's talking about. This is on the players. To, to play every bit as well on Thursday against Dallas and then on Saturday against Nashville uh, as they did on Sunday against Calgary. Don't squander this, man. There's not a whole lot of capital left in this season. If mm-hmm. Another losing streak could be uh, – that could be all she wrote. Yeah. So it's here for the players. It's here for the orders. They just got to do something with it. And the schedule's there again. They had a, a softer schedule to start, but after Dallas, you've got Nashville, Vancouver again. So three games against the Canucks. You know you want to have a little better performance. Better against, win one of them. Yeah, and then San Jose and Seattle. So I mean, it's the the points are there, but you still got to show up uh, for sure. Yep. Um, what would uh, the, the one thing that uh, the shot that I really liked uh, last night? I, I always like the shot that they get of the player after he scores his first goal. Spec. So Vinny DeHarnay with the puck in the dressing room. You know, you get the big smile. Those those are some of my favorite shots. Uh, you know, the stills, and you you just couldn't wipe the smile off his face. Yeah, and you know, it was too bad that uh, we didn't know who scored the goal. It was such a goofy goal. It looked like even I know we're far a long ways away, but. I think the way the puck bounced, it looked exactly like Kane had deflected it. You know, and mm-hmm. then, yeah. so he didn't really celebrate like it was his goal. And then the replay came and you thought, oh, I'm not sure if that was Kane. Then they changed it like three shifts later. So, uh, listen, Vinny Darren is such a cool tale. Like he said to me the, earlier this year, he said, every team I've ever played for, I show up and I'm the eighth or ninth defenseman. And I got to work my way into the mix, man. And it started for him as a kid, and it took him to Providence College, and he showed up there. He said, I was a 10th guy when I showed up. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to Edmonton, and he's in the minors, and now he's, you know, here we are, his second year here. He still was, showed up as the seventh guy this season, and there he was on Sunday, right, scoring sort of the big goal in the game, the goal to put the game away. And it wasn't pretty, but I don't think much about Vincent DeHarnay is pretty, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It was a, yeah. a goofy bouncer that went top shelf on you know on on Markstrom and good for everyone loves that story. I'm a journalist. I love a, a guy that keeps on plugging and keeps on working. And he got his day in the sun yesterday, Kevin. I saw him after the game. He had a ear to ear smile. And oh yeah. I told him congratulations. Yeah, uh, and that was that's a picture. You know, that's going to be on the mantle uh, on the wall for for the rest of your life. You know. Yeah. 
you know. So, uh, congrats hey, to Vic. Love to score a goal in the NHL. Oh. I, I wouldn't have minded. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, Mark Spector <laughs> with us on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, Evander Kane was a force again last night. Uh, we saw that in. Uh, it was weird because he he had it in the Minnesota game. Didn't carry it the following game, but I mean he had some crushing hits again last night. The forecheck was there. So yep. big deal, a big reason why the Oilers, uh, you know, uh, picked up the two points last night. Yeah, no, you know, this is when you learn about players, when things are bad. Like, everyone looks good in a 6 nothing win. Uh, the Oilers were going sideways here, and then Connor McDavid got hurt. And, you know, that's when you look down and you kind of think over the last three or four games, who's been your best players? And you know what? Evander Kane absolutely... And he wasn't very good by his own admission in the first five games of the year, like everybody, like everybody else. And he absolutely stood up and got counted when the orders needed some people to stand up and be counted. So that's a mark, you know. That's a you love that in a guy that when you need a good player that you're paying a lot of money for, that he shows up and he brings away everything he's got. He's had a couple scraps. Mm-hmm. He absolutely buried Tanev with a check last night. <laughs> yeah. And a clean one, but hard. Uh, you know, he had a goal, he had two assists, and he had six shots on goal. So uh, you're not getting any more out of a guy than you got out of Van King yesterday. And that's a good sign, right? That's mm-hmm. a guy that he knows when he's really needed, and uh, he's got what it takes to show up. Uh, and six six hits, six shots. Yeah, I mean, he was he showed up for sure. And it was nice to see him get rewarded with that empty netter, um, for sure. One goal, yeah. two assists. Um the Oilers did give up two power play goals last night uh, by Calgary, but outscored the Flames 4 nothing in the even strength goals department. That, in my mind, is a very good sign moving forward. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And two third-period goals, even the ones in empty netter, that still is big. They had, what, they have one going in? Yeah. Third-period yeah, goals. So 10-1, I think. Know, yeah, like they're reverting to the mean. They're, they're the biggest thing. And then, and Woodcroft said it after the game. We looked like us, mm-hmm. and they did. You know, it was a three-two coming out of the dressing room for the third period, and they played with poise, and they they didn't you know give up a bunch of great A's, and they weren't pinned in their own zone. And when they got a break, you know, out it came, and and they played well enough to earn a what I would term a little bit of a lucky goal by Darnay. Let's face it, it's a one hopper. Uh, but you don't get those breaks if you're not playing well. The other team gets them. So, no, no, I think I thought that was the most telling quote after the game was Woody saying, um, you know, we, we're looking yeah. like us again, mm-hmm. and that's not something we've heard this year. That's kind of that, that's the kind of clip that uh, the quote that, uh, you know, stood out for me, you know, last night as well. Yeah, we looked like, you know, we looked like us. So yeah, they haven't. to get her back here. Yeah, and, and I mean, you just, you, you have to find something, just anything to build on, and that's yeah. kind of what the team is looking for uh, moving forward. What do you expect uh, Thursday against Dallas after, you know, a day off today, which is great, kind of, you know, it, that's an emotional night. Again, not just the game, but it's more uh, uh, the event when you got, Every player has a copious amounts of family and friends yeah. to worry about. So yeah. now you can kind of just exhale here. Yeah, the, that's sort of what you, you know, it's like when a young player gets drafted by his hometown team. 
sometimes remember when or how about this story remember the first time Carter Hart came home and played a game here for Philly mm-hmm. and he got bombed I think they pulled him he was he got shelled by the oil and he said afterwards he said man I says I was arranging tickets for family and and everyone wanted to go out for dinner the night before and you know these guys get into routines and you got to be focused if you're going to play your best it can't be you know about everything other than hockey and for these games it is guys have parents coming in they got wives and wives families and oh we need three more tickets can mm-hmm. you figure this out and oh where are we going for dinner and oh there's a bunch of people staying at the house and you know it's it is it is hard to be focused when you're the home team in one of these deals so uh, you know, credit to the orders for getting through that, putting it aside, but they got to get back to a routine. And I mm-hmm. think you'll see in, in the next couple of days, I think, you know, you'll learn something about your team here. This is a, this is a, a major springboard, but only if they make it one. And I, I know that, you know, Leon Dreisaitl said after the game, he said, hey, you know, it's, this was awesome, but he said it's only one win and we're going to need more than one win here. we got to get this thing going. It's a good start, and guys like Drysaddle will drive this team over the next couple of days and make sure that the distractions are gone, right? Mm-hmm. Family's out of town now. We're going back to normalcy, and let's make this thing last a little bit. Well, and even, you know, Matthias Ekholm, I believe it's Matthias Ekholm, kind of said, it's not a playoff game, but with all the pomp and like circumstance, one. it feels like it, you know? Yeah. They so. said it felt like felt like you're playing for 10 yeah. points, but you're only playing for two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I assume you were in the press box last night, right? I was. Yeah, I tried to get out and walk around and see the things, but mm-hmm. you know, it's cool. funny. Like that old stadium. Uh, as as you know, I was sitting with Eric Francis from Calgary, and he was talking to me, and he said, "Matt, you know what? This place was." He said, "When was this place built?" I said, "I think nineteen like seventy four. Yeah, seventy seventy six. Yeah, seventy six kind of thing. Well, Maybe. you know, I was ready for Commonwealth Games in seventy eight, right? So seventy eight. I think it opened in 70, anyway, whatever, mid-70s. Yeah. He said, you know what, like, give you this town credit. They've they've kept this stadium in pretty good stead. It mm-hmm. looks like a great stadium. But what it isn't is one of the new stadiums, Kevin, where there's like five levels of concourses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Even like Rogers. Rogers has several places, depending on what level you're on. This place has one concourse. <laughs> yeah. And when there's 55,000 people oh. in it, that ring around the stadium at between periods, it was insanely packed. Well, I was in there. <laughs> you were in there, yeah. So, I mean, even trying to get a beer or, yeah. to be honest with you, the washrooms weren't as busy as I thought they would be. They were busy. Um, but just to get a beer or any food lineups were just insane. insane. The harder part, Spec, is, as you say, um, because of the one level of concourse, when you're up in the second level, you can't get down because everyone is jammed up to the stairwells, right? There's just no room. <laughs> right. So that's the crazy part. But yeah, No, um, no, it's, 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 an old, hey, it's a mid-70s stadium. Like, they've done a great job holding events, Mm-hmm. And using those events to pour money into the place, and I give them credit. Commonwealth is still a beautiful place, and you don't say that about many fifty-year-old stadiums. Yeah, but right, but it was built the way you built stadiums in the seventies, not the way they build them today. And uh, could you get outside to listen to Nickelback a little bit and see that atmosphere? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, uh. for sure. Yeah, I, I was outside, and uh, you know, I just went down to the sort of the top of the stairwell and yeah. watched it a little bit. And the sound was good. Oh. And, Ah, people are having fun, and come on, you know it's 
uh, what the hell? Everyone had a great time, and that's all we're there for. I had I had a blast, and again, you know, home team wins the whole thing. Everything worked out just right. just fine, and uh, you know, the entertainment was great. The atmosphere was uh, phenomenal, and I thought it was a very well run event. Hey, what did you think about those uh, get-ups the Flames wore into the park yesterday? <laughs> well, I, those, the, the, well, I'll be honest. I thought I was watching an, an old episode of Hee Haw. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going to break into a rousing chorus of YMCA. Oh, man. <laughs> that was something. I didn't like the Oiler guys look good. That, I thought that was a better better look. Yeah. I mean, it suits northern Alberta for sure. Mm-hmm. You know? And... Uh, no, no, I thought that worked. I thought the Flames one was a little different. A little, yeah. you know, that's a picture the boys are going to look at down the road. <laughs> what am I doing? A little. <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? I know, maybe they're trying to look tough, right? I guess, you know, the, you know, the, yeah. with the temperatures. I don't know, but I think the orders looked a lot better. I don't know. Yeah, they won that part of the game, too, <laughs> yeah, I think. They did. Hey, uh, Speck, thanks for this. We'll see you down at the rink this week. All right, Kev. That's Mark Spector uh, for On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, we will check in with Ryan Pike and get the uh, reaction from Flames Nation. It can't be good today. Uh, That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, that's one of my favorite songs, Duke. It really is. Um, Who sings this one? Like, there's there's a lot of versions of it. This one's the Tramps. Okay. Um, you know who else? Tina Turner and Ike Turner did it years ago. Really good, too, as well. Um, time now for our headliner of the day. We've got a whole bunch of texts. We're going to get to those texts coming up uh, uh, in about 20 minutes. Uh, we'll get to Kevlar, iMac, Doug, Walter, Josh, uh, Craig, and Red, Red Deer. We'll get to those in a second. But uh, first, our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all our listeners and are pumped. Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. As we welcome in Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Uh, Ryan, good morning. How are things uh, in Flames Nation today? Well, they're they're about uh, as they were uh, three, two or three days ago. I mean, you know, they they came into Edmonton off of, uh, what can only be described off of a, as a a listless effort against St. Louis, and you know there was a little bit more fight in them uh, against Edmonton than we saw against St. Louis, but the result was basically the same. Hmm. Um. How would you describe the state of this team right now? Um. You know, after. Nine games of the season coming out of the gates two six and one now. Well, I'll put it this way: under the the previous head coach Daryl Sutter, for for better or for worse, you kind of knew what you were going to get. It, uh, the the team, I think, partially just because that's how Daryl operated, the team took on the qualities of its coach, uh, for better or for worse, and. You know, it worked until it didn't, and then they, they went through all the changes they went through this off season. And I think the challenge now is, after having such a defined identity under the previous coach, I think they're still trying to figure out what they want to be. And mm-hmm. I, I think that existential change is still in progress. And, you know, after the game, you know, head, head coach Ryan Huska spoke to the media, and he sort of noted that, you know, there, there's some situations where they, you know, they're still not doing the right things with the puck. And I think it's because, you know, I think they're still thinking a little bit too much about, okay, how do we, you know, used to do things. So, you know, they're, they're a group that's prone to, to poor turnovers, to poor times. They're a group that, 
You know, we, we saw, you know, against Edmonton, as we've seen in a few games recently, their starts haven't been great. Uh, you know, there, there was a period of time where I think they were outshot 23-3 to at 5-on-5 five five, uh, by midway through the game, and then they turned it around before the end of it. But if you start off getting shut out, you know, getting outshot 23-3, to three, and you have the type of first period you did, it, it's tough to take yourself out of and. They're they're a team that's prone to lapses of those kinds still, and they don't have nearly the consistency they're going to need to have in order to take themselves out of it yet. Ryan Pike from Flames Nation is our guest on Sports 1440. So do you think uh, they are even close to finding their identity under the new head coach, Ryan Huska? Ooh, that's a good question. I wish I knew. Uh, I think there's some progress. I mean, you know, one of the, the hallmarks of the, the Flames over the last 20-some years, dating back to Jerome McGinley, was, you know, as much as the team often takes on the qualities as coach, it, it's on the ice, they've managed to take on the qualities of their captain more often than not. I mean, you know, during the, the lengthy tenure of Jerome McGinley, that was sort of their identity. They, they, you know, they all sort of took their cues from their captain, and they did the same thing under Mark Giordano. And, you know, the last two seasons, they took on the qualities of the coach because they didn't have a captain. Uh, perhaps by design, and you know they they named Michael Backlund the captain, and you know the the running joke amongst Flames fans the last however many years uh, Michael Backlund's been with the team is Michael Backlund's line is always the Flames' best line, and that's still the case this year. They you know the, he's been playing with Blake Pullman and Andre Bajipani, and that line is you know a possession beast, but they're also the a line that can really set the tone for the team. And I think the challenge is when you have one line that's playing so well and can sort of exhibit the qualities that the coaching staff wants, you know, A, you keep it together, mm-hmm. but B, it also makes it a little bit challenging to sort of, you know, mold everybody else because I, I think everybody else has different qualities to their lines, different qualities to their players. So, you know, that, that's a long way of saying, you know, it's it's a work in progress. I, I think they, you know, I think if, they're, if we're still having this conversation in another five or ten games, I think they're in some big trouble. Uh, but I still think, you know, we, we've seen stretches of hockey where, you know, they can take over games with the way they play if they play the way that, you know, Ryan Huska wants them to be playing. But the challenge is the way Ryan Huska wants them to be playing. It's a, it's a challenging style of hockey. They, do, they don't have, you know, high, high-end stars or at least players that play like high, high-end stars to take over games. And so you need to play sort of a suffocating, unyielding very consistent, very you know, in-your-face style of hockey, and that's a tough style of hockey to play for 60 minutes, let alone 82 games. And you know, they haven't found that consistently yet. And you know, if, if they want to have the type of finish to the season they want to have, they're going to need to find it quickly. We're with uh, Ryan Pike from Flames Nation on Sports 1440. Ryan, what do you make of Jonathan Huberto right now? Where do you see him? Uh, contributing uh, with this team uh, at a higher level moving forward? Well, I think we need to find a, a spot from a you know, regular spot from at five on five because he's sort of he's bounced around a lot. He's played with, you know, I think the only he hasn't played with uh, with Backlund this year because they've kept Backlund and Coleman with, uh, you know, you know, Majapani or, or the rookie Coronado all year. But, you know, outside of Backlund, he's, he's played a bit with Rizichka, he's played a bit with. You know, uh, Elias Lindholm, he's played a bit with Nazem Kadri, as we saw last game. Uh, you know, I think they're still trying to figure him out. I mean, you know, Daryl Sutter spent 82 games basically 
you know, trying to figure it out, and then basically threw him on the right wing as off wing because he couldn't really figure out what else to do with him. And I think, you know, they're still trying to figure out Jonathan Huberto. And I think the, the challenge is that there's, you know, I don't think there's any way he's as good as he was that one last year in Florida where he had 115 points. No one's that. No one's that good. A lot of things have to go well for that to happen. But there's no way he's as bad as he was last season. There were stretches of the, of the schedule where you looked around and went, oh, is number 10 playing tonight? Uh, so he's, he's too talented to be the way he is now. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, last year, a lot of the time his body language, you know, we, we've, all, we've all seen, you know, the, that running jokes. What, do I, what am I supposed to do with my hands? And Jonathan Huberto looked like he was trying to figure out what he was supposed to be doing and where he was supposed to be going. And he sort of had sort of for a quarter of the season, at least sort of a befuddled uh, body language on the ice. And I think, you know, the whole team's a little bit like that right now. So I don't really want to single out Jonathan, but I still think he's sort of in the process of figuring out what he is within the Calgary Flames system. And I think as the Flames have, you know, as a group, capture that system and it's more defined i think he'll figure it out much more quickly but uh he's uh he's trying to muddle through it it's not quite working out the way he hoped ryan pike from flames nation is our guest on sports 1440 this morning coming up to 8 30 in the capital region ryan what is general manager craig conroy going to do with all these unrestricted Free agents, elias lindholm noah hannafin and nikita zadorov in particular well, I think you know. I think uh, if they had a great start, I, I think it made it, it would have made it easier for him than uh, a tough start. But I, I think you know the the, the watchword for the whole season, and probably I'd say especially the first half of the season is: is this the is this your group? Is this your core? Because if this is the group, if you think this is the you know the the group, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin you know, Nikita Zadorov and so on. If these are the guys that can lead the Flames where you want to lead them, then, you know, okay, as much as as much as much fans and, and, you know, management might bristle at the idea of, you know, $7 million a year for however many years for Noah Hanson or $9 million a year for however many years for Elias Lindholm. If they're your guys, if they're the guys that you believe in, you think, okay, you know, we found them, this is the team, let's do this, and you might as well lock them in. But I think the challenge is if you're not sure with the contracts they do have, especially, you know, Jonathan Huberto is making $10.5 million for seven seasons after this one. Nazem Kadri is making $7 million a year or six seasons after this one. That's a good chunk of change tied up in guys that might not entirely be what you thought they'd be. And it makes it a little bit more dangerous to roll the dice on Lindholm and Hannafin in particular. And so I think... You know, the, the Flames are playing wait and see with how the team is going and with sort of how the, the core is looking because, you know, if, if you re-sign Lindholm, that's a lot of money. If you let him walk or you move him, you can get something probably pretty good for him, but it does pretty much blow a big hole in the top of your rotation. And guys like Lindholm are really, really, really tough to find and replace. And so, you know, I, I, was, I don't have any Craig Conroy at all because he's just some some very challenging things he's been handed right out of the gate. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 this morning is uh, Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Ryan, Nikita Zadorov has been very outspoken, I guess you could say, in several of his uh, 
post-practice, post-game uh, news conferences and news uh, availabilities, uh, media availabilities. How has that been received in Calgary? Well, I mean, he's a great quote. You can't, you, can't, uh, you know, when, when Nikita comes up from the microphone, you know you're going to get something interesting because, you know, he's, he's a guy that, you know, he, he's a really interesting cat and sometimes he doesn't have a filter. And I imagine that probably gets him in trouble sometimes. I think we all have that friend that you're like, oh, what's he going to say now? And Nikita, I think, is that guy in the Flames room. But, I mean, I think every group needs that. I mean, you know, every friend group that uh, has one of those people, I think, really values them because, you know, much much like uh, the proverbial fool in King Lear, you need them to sort of say the obvious sometimes or to get out there and help deal with it. And, you know, I think... Uh, I'm not sure if the, if uh, the, the Flames completely agree with it, the, the notion that you know there's some selfishness going on in the team, but I, when he says that you know they're playing like a bunch of individuals, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I disagree. I mean, if you look at how disconnected the Flames are on the ice sometimes, and sort of where the root is of their of their turnovers, I think you know it's five guys on the ice that look like they're sort of playing on slightly different teams at different points, and you know <laughs> if it's not for Nikita Zadorov putting it so bluntly, <laughs> I don't know if it would have been as obvious to folks. Uh, watching the games in retrospect. So, you know, I, I think it's pretty good. But, uh, you know, I uh, I also think that, you know, they, I'm, sh- I'm sure Nikita Zadorov would love to have fewer things to point out. Oh, boy. I mean, he is, you're right. He is a great, a great quote, uh, and he's been very outspoken for sure, as we guessed with uh, Ryan Pike this morning on Sports 1440. Uh, were you able to kind of get a reaction? I know it's just the game just happened last night, but I, I would think there would have been... You know, there was 55,411 at the game here last night. I would think there was probably, I don't know, probably 10,000 Flames fans in the stands. A lot would have driven up. Have you been able to get kind of a reaction of what, you know, Calgarians thought of the Heritage Classic last night? Well, I think uh, the, the fans I spoke with, they, they all had fun. It, you know, it's uh, regardless of the outcome, you know, an outdoor game is a spectacle, and I think the you know the, the Oilers and the NHL did a great job for putting on a great show. You know, especially you know the the, the opening bits, uh, you know the, the national anthem, the, mm-hmm. the intermission entertainment. It was all extremely well produced. And you know, if you're a Flames fan, I mean, you know, we, this was a measuring stick game, and you got a chance to sort of see you know how close or how far you are from your your most bitter rival. And you know, I, I think Flames fans knew that there was work to do. And I think they're all very happy that the game was as close as it was because I think early on it looked like it could have you know, very quickly got down a hand. So I think Jacob Markstrom kept a lot of Flames fan sanities intact uh, uh, today because of how well he played. But, you know, I think ultimately, you know, wins against the Edmonton Oilers, you know, feel a lot better than wins against any other team for Flames fans. And I think the opposite is true, too. I mean, you know, a, a, a loss on a big stage against your most bitter rival uh it's a bit of a punch in the stomach and you know i think that's how flames fans are feeling today but i think they they took a punch in the stomach uh in a really beautiful picturesque setting and i think that makes it sting a little bit less what uh, did you make of the flames uh, pre-game outfits that they were wearing <laughs> oh i i uh ryan Husker had maybe the quote of the of the day where he said you know he was talking about you know, the outfits, he's like, I didn't ask, I didn't want to know. And, you know, I mean, it's, I think it was a little bit cold for, uh, for going no tarps, but I mean, all right. I mean, if that's what they want to do, oh, I'm man. sure, I, I'm sure I was going to try talking about it, but, you know, you, you kind of <laughs> wish that they did one of those like HBO 24 seven style shows with this series 
because you know imagine being a fly on the wall when you know Nazim Kadri pitches. Hey guys, here's the outfit and the, the type of debate or lack thereof that would go on there. I mean, I I think that itself would have been worth the production cost of the series. You know, I, I was saying it looked like a, an old episode of Hee Haw when they walked in. They, they, that's, yeah, that's probably I, I way think, before your time, I would assume, Ryan. If I were them, I would have done like <laughs> if you're going to go full Hee Haw, you got to do like straw hats or something. But you know, they were it was, it, they looked cold, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, fashion got got away from me years ago, so I'm not going to try to judge too harshly. Yeah, one last one for Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Moving forward, what in your mind can you put your finger on something in particular that needs to happen for this Flames team to turn things around after a two six and one start to the season? Well, I think they just need to, to play a simple, direct game. I know it sounds kind of boring, but I mean, you know, I think the the, the Flames' biggest challenge is sometimes, you know, you you go for the hail mary pass rather than go for you know a ten foot pass. And I think, you know, if they want to get where they want to go, cutting down the turnovers is the main thing. Because if you look at sort of their underlying numbers, look at the water numbers, you know, they're they're a team that wins a lot of faceoffs. They got centers that can consistently do that. They're a team that has the puck a lot. If you look at the underlying numbers, I think they have you know, possession of the puck between 55 and 60% of the time. But, I mean, they, they don't do enough smart things with the puck when they have it to really become a dangerous 5-on-5 team. And I think the key for them doing that is just to, you know, try to get away from doing anything too fancy and just play a meat and potatoes game for a while because, like Huska said, I mean, it might be kind of a, a boring style of hockey at times, but it's effective. And I think once you can have an effective brand of hockey that you can go back to time and time again, you can scaffold on some fanciness on top of that, some razzle-dazzle, and, you know, become a bit of more of a, a finesse team. But if you're still laying a foundation, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a reason why, you know, foundations of buildings are like brick and concrete and cement and not, you know, made of, you know, crazy stuff <laughs> because you need a solid foundation yeah. to hold the weight of everything else. And I think the flames right now, the, the foundation is still in progress and still being poured. And, you know, I think uh, once they get that figured out, then I think they can uh, build on top of it. Ryan, thanks for your uh, time and insight this morning. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That is Ryan Pike from Flames Nation and our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call the Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. And remember, Duke, to insulate those exposed pipes. I mean, uh, it's a critical part of your winter preparation. Uh, Insulate those exposed water pipes in the basement crawl spaces to prevent freezing. Are you on top of that, Duke? Uh, thankfully, at the the new place, I don't have to worry about such things. Uh, it's kind of all taken care of. But uh, I'll be sure to remind uh, my former landlord slash uh, good friend Chucky Slick out in Fort Saskatchewan um, to make sure he takes Who's care this of that. Chucky Slick. That's guys? who. That's who I lived with oh. in Fort. He uh, his home. That's uh, when I moved back to the city and was kind of unsure of where my future would take me. I didn't want to oh. get into anything too long term. He was kind enough to spot me a room. Is in that his, his uh, real name, Chucky Slick? No, oh. it's not. But his Slick was his uh, nickname oh. at the uh, the University of Alberta. And uh, Chucky, that comes from his um, tendency to overconsume and then uh, <laughs> vacate his. Uh, internals is he uh ooh, um 
Is he friends with the big Cebolia too? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Those those two, and that's uh, my usual. Well, they were both at uh, the home opener at okay. the casino. Yes, and uh, and they're my usual crew for watching football on Sunday. Or so Chucky um, Slick was there that night too. Oh yeah, oh, okay. yep, sitting on the bar behind okay. us there. I only talked to the <laughs> the dude from Onion Lake. That's it. <laughs> Once again, he's not from Onion oh, Lake, oh. but he played hockey there. <laughs> as did you back in the day. So. Yes. Anyway, well, that's how the conversation went. Uh, we'll have some uh, open text time. We'll get to Dougie, IMAC, Kevlar, Wally, and Craig uh, when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, Jody Messina, the Duke comes through with another beauty. Uh, thanks for tuning in uh, this morning on Sports 1440. We've had lots of texts coming in after the Oilers' big win last night, 5-2 uh, over the Calgary Flames at Commonwealth Stadium in front of 55,411 hearty souls. But some fans are not totally sold on the Oilers turning things around. Uh, Craig and Red Deer, hi guys. The Oilers aren't really going to let Brown play 10 games and have those crippling bonuses kick in. Three-plus million for a winger who might produce 10 points is not very astute roster management. Uh, Fred then pipes in just moments ago. Uh, Hey, guys, we looked like us. He's referring to the Jay Woodcroft text, but... Ernie got three minutes, so basically they played 10 forwards. McLeod was invisible, skates around and stick checks. Holloway still finding his role. Brown looks rusty still. So Derek Ryan uh, was the best bottom five forward with probably nine minutes. The bottom six should have PK specialists, someone who can win an important face-off or can throw a big hit. Sorry, boys, but with that group, this team can't compete. With the top teams, Jordan goes Browns, bonus is Kate's money. Why does anyone care? Um, Kev, the, the concourse was like Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones. Uh, it was last night. It was just jammed in there. Um, and now a, a very serious, uh, very serious text comes from uh, old school hockey Doug uh, re- regarding Adam Johnson. Uh, Adam was the uh, former Pittsburgh uh, uh, Penguin player who, who unfortunately passed away uh, in a game with um, a skate cut. Uh, morning, Kevin. In light of what happened to the former Penguin player, uh, Adam Johnson, uh, tragically passing away from a skate accident, what is it going to take for the NHL and all hockey to make it mandatory for neck guards and wrist protection put in place? So sad seeing that the equipment is out there that comes from old school hockey, Doug. You know, it. I totally understand where you're coming from, Doug. It is, the, the equipment is there. We're seeing more players wear it on their Achilles area, Achilles area maybe on their wrists uh, with the Vander Kane's injury. We don't see the neck guards. The, the, the equipment is there. It's personal preference, I guess. Um so, uh, man, very sad. I mean, incredibly sad. There was a moment of silence yesterday at the game, before the game, um, at Commonwealth Stadium. But, you know, players, despite uh, the fact that there is, uh, and I guess we're talking NHL players. I mean, I think you see a lot more of it in minor hockey and kids that are younger. I think you see that, Um players wearing it, you know, in that 
circumstance, younger players. It's, you know, so they wear them there. But for players that move up, it's personal preference. I don't think they like the look of it. They probably don't like the feel of it. Um, I would imagine it puts this seed of doubt to seed, you know, a thought in their head when they see something happen like that. But I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't see NHL players moving forward, uh, wearing them. It has to be, would have to be a league mandate. I would have to be, uh, because the personal preference of players is just there. That's well, still why, you know, guys that are, uh, grandfathered in don't wear helmets in warm up. We saw what happened. Look what happened to Taylor Hall, a freak accident in warm up. Guys get pegged off with a, a ricochet off the crossbar, get, you know, take one to the head too. But players are finicky at the NHL level. Um, you know, it's it's a difficult situation, um, but very sad, very sad what happened to Adam Johnson as well. Um, Mitchell says all minor hockey and the Q, I think, have to wear them. World juniors have to wear them, question mark, or is that only when it's on the East Coast? If the NHL is mandated, how can you argue it? Well, that's the whole thing. It would have to be a players' association. Um, you know, they have to have the input. Uh, not Fred comes in again. Jason Greger posted yesterday that he was talking to Frank Saravalli. It isn't even mandatory in the U.S. minor hockey for neck guards, which is a shame. Again, uh, maybe something becomes mandated uh, in the U.S. I didn't. I, I mean, that's the U.S. Well, Frank Saravalli says that's what goes on in the. U.S., that is what uh, it is. Uh, now is not the time, but I didn't see that as a freak injury. saw it as an intent to injury that, injure that went bad. Um, it's It was just very sad, for sure. Um, unfortunate. Um, and uh, a real uh, difficult situation for, you know, a lot of his former uh, teammates, former, you know, the organization, Pittsburgh Penguins organization, um, I, I never, ever really uh, met the guy, you know, when he was in the NHL or whatever like that, but I don't think too many people did and um, because his, his, you know, his time in the NHL wasn't uh, a long time, but uh, that doesn't matter either. It's just, uh, man, sad, very sad. Um, maybe something will happen uh, uh, down the road here for sure. Uh, text coming in to one 401 IMAX says the boys need to keep those hard hats on until they are above 500. <laughs> Kevlar says, uh, we were talking about Evander Kane, and he just uh, jokingly says, Kevlar goes, uh, Kane was a failure last night, but because one fight and he would have had a second Gordie Howe hat trick. Uh, very correct. And then Kevlar comes in and says, my daughter and I had a blast last night. The game was great. Oilers uh, lineups were crazy. The uh, uh, What we didn't care, we ate before. Oh, oh the lineups. Uh, we're crazy for food and stuff. We ate before we went. Uh, good job by everyone involved. And, and I, I, again, I can't say enough to the organizers that, that put that on. So uh, it was a, it was a really nice night. It was a it was it was a night that you're you're going to remember going forward. And I mean, it was 20 years ago. It feels like it was a long time ago that first game. But it was really nice to to see that going forward. So uh, when we come back, we will check in with uh, Perry Pern, former. NHL assistant coach uh, for a long time. 
Uh, also coached uh, at the Nate for the Ukes for, for many, many years. And uh, now is heading over to uh, Japan. So uh, really interesting angle, angle with the local hockey legend, uh, Perry Pern. Uh, Brandon Johnson will check in uh, at 940, the Nate Ooks women's hockey coach. Then Jensen Lewis, Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network, as uh, game number three of the World Series gets underway tonight uh, in Arizona. It'll be Scherzer versus Fott. Man, oh man, did... Uh, the bats come alive for the D-backs in game number two. That was nice to watch. Uh, then we'll have Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press uh, to check in with the Detroit Lions as the Lions get set for Monday Night Football and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, when we come back, Perry Pern, former Nate Ukes, and now heading off to the beautiful country of Japan to coach hockey there. First up, uh, a sports update with the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas.